This is episode 46 of the Gen X Photography Podcast, but before we get into the episode, I just want to give a shout out to Andrew Bartram, the, the host of the uh, Lensless Podcast, a podcast dedicated to pinhole photography, and uh, especially episode 123, because there Andrew interviews my wife, Julian Piper. So give that episode a listen. In fact, give that entire podcast a listen. It's wonderful. Um, and now, on with the show. Awesome. <laughs> so who wants to try loading their camera with their feet? <laughs> so, stinky. Uh, we're stinky. amputees. We got to try it as our feet. I was like, so what? I was, I was confused. Oh, yeah, that was, was what like, she said. I was like, what does blindness have to do with loading on your feet? You know, now, <laughs> now my... My ADHD issue just was like fully displayed because in my mind I was listening to the podcast again where she went through this whole sequence of like, well, if I was blind, but then I would just like she was like, I can still load my camera if I'm blind. And she was, well, if my arms were cut off, oh, then she's like, no, because then I could use my feet. But I went blind. You have to use your feet. She she um, does that surf photography, so she might get bitten by a shark, and so that might be a concern of hers. <laughs> yeah, that could be. <laughs> I have one arm left. <laughs> I've been trying to visualize how a person would load a camera with their feet. I'm like, I can barely load it with my hands. <laughs> so during the while the podcast was um, being recorded, oh, I'm gonna stop rec recording real quick. Uh, <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to episode 46 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. Episode 46 this is, a, is an amazing podcast, and we'll find out in just a little bit why. But I'm your host, Mario Piper. And of course, with me are my two co-hosts, Julianne Piper, my wife, and Suzanne Peterson. Hello, both of you. Hello. How are you guys doing? We're doing yeah. good. Sorry. <laughs> Like we're trying to figure show. out so we don't overlap each other sorry <laughs> that's totally fine uh, well it's good to uh, well i see you every day uh, julie and it's good to see you again uh, suzanne thank you awesome but today is a special episode um we're going to call it the, the kansas spectacular and the reason is all of us on this podcast and including our two guests have a connection to kansas which is pretty dang cool if if, you, if I could say it myself. So uh, for our guest today, we have Ann Holland uh, from, now what city are you, or town are you from? Uh, or do you live I'm, in? I live uh, out just outside the town of Linwood, Kansas. Okay. Uh, and I'm very close to DeSoto, Kansas as well. So out in the countryside near there. Oh, okay, cool. Well, welcome to the podcast, Ann. Thank you. Awesome. And returning is none other than Denise Grays, who was my first guest after my daughter. So, Denise, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you, Mario, for inviting me on this uh, extravaganza of a <laughs> podcast episode. Absolutely. We could almost call it an extravaganza. <laughs> uh, it's my dorky self. All right. Well, it's an awesome pleasure to 
to have each of us on because again like i also like i said we all have a connection to kansas i was born and raised in kansas um i lived there most of my life before i got married uh julie has a connection to kansas we got engaged there suzanne you have a connection to kansas I right do. yeah yep i was uh, i lived in lawrence for about three years and then my husband's family is in emporia kansas yeah and then, of course, uh, both Anne and uh, Denise live in Kansas presently. So it's just nice to get that part of the country represented. Uh, it's often noted to be a flyover, you know, flyover part of the country or drive straight through in the middle of the night because there's, quote unquote, nothing to see. But I hope we can talk today a little bit about the beauty of Kansas and what it can bring uh, as far as photography. But anyways, thank you guys for uh, being on the podcast. Now, um, before we get into the actual episode, I just want to kind of go into, you know, everybody's week and see how, we're, how everybody's doing. We'll start with you, Julie. How's your week been going? It's been going exciting as far as cameras go. Regular yeah. life, not so much. But um, after we talked to Jessica Cosmat last month, we all got new gear, <laughs> so that was an expensive podcast to put out. Yeah. Um, but I got a, I'm tethered, I can't reach. I can remember it. A Nikon N6006 camera, because she was talking about using a fully automatic camera, which would help me be able to put people and moving things in my pictures. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got one of those off Facebook Marketplace and I've been playing with that. And I also finally got to pick up my babies from the camera repair shop. So they are home. Of course I dropped other ones off. So now those ones are gone. But I am super happy to have my Speed Graphic Violet back home and she works way better. Got the lens cleaned and the shutter fixed, so all the speeds work now. And the ground glass, I didn't even know you could clean it, but it gets so much easier to focus now. So been shooting some 4x5. Soon I will try my zebra tintypes. I'm trying to work up my nerve to not ruin them that I just got. So that's going to be fun soon. Yeah. That's cool. It sounds like a lot has been happening as far as uh, photographically speaking. And of course, I've been there with it, <laughs> with you doing it. So it's <laughs> awesome. Uh, Suzanne, how about you? Uh, I also had a little um, gas after talking to Jess. Mm -hmm. So I bought the Instax Neo 90. Nice. Which has been a lot of fun. I've only put through one pack, but I was really interested in trying some of the double exposures. Uh, and Julie and I were talking before we started airing that we both tried the mixing the color, like a double exposure with color and then something on top of it or secondarily, oh. which is really cool. It's almost like you can get film soup without having to do the soup. That's <laughs> I mean, cool. It's, it's different, but it's it's really, really cool. Um, and then the other thing that was really exciting to me, and it wasn't me shooting, but I was able to be photographed by a local photographer and he was working on large format. Um, I actually bought an SX-70 from him, which is how we met. And I'm like, well, why are you selling this? And he says, because two of these expensive formats, I just can't have it. So I bought his SX-70 and he reached out and said, would you be willing to let me 
um, do some portraiture of you because he's mostly done landscapes and he wasn't as comfortable, I don't believe, doing portraits. And so I was like, heck yeah, I never really have anybody take pictures of me. So we met uh, about a week and a half ago and spent an hour and a half, four shots later, and they the, all four turned out. We were both extremely excited and I was excited because I got to get under the dark cloth and I've, I've really never seen large format in person and been that close to it. So it was really exciting for me. I'm sure I will delve there at some point, but I can't do it yet. It's it's it mental power. <laughs> it seems like a pretty cool process. I've only done it like once or twice um, yeah. with Julie's help. So, anyways, it's it's kind of interesting the photographer being photographed. <laughs> I know. It, well, it, it was. I know he was so cute because he's like, oh gosh, he goes, I'm not very good with posing. I'm like, I'm actually really good with posing, but not when I'm here because mm. I think about you know if I can't see what I'm doing, I have no idea if I look completely dumb or not. <laughs> So like, you just tell me where to move and I'll, I'll do it. It is weird being on the other side of the glass, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. Not as comfortable. Yeah, it's weird. Um, all right. Well, uh, Anne, uh, how have you been doing uh, recently with your photography? Um, it's been interesting. So um, like this past week, I guess, maybe if we just take this little section of things. Um, so I've been traveling. And I decided this time when I traveled earlier in the summer to Europe and uh, to Egypt, I decided that I was going to do my usual with taking instant film and and doing a travel journal that way, um, like I usually do. But this time I knew I had to be a lot more minimalist with my gear. So I decided to stretch myself a little bit. And I took just a Rolly 35 wow. camera. So like the smallest, well, I suppose I could have taken a 110 camera, but like the smallest camera that I thought would yield like crisp results because the 110 cameras are, you know, the, they're a bit grainy. Um, and some Kodak Portra 400 film. And then I'm still doing a travel journal, but I'm actually sketching in it every day and then I'm leaving a blank uh, two-page spread that I'm hoping if my photos turn out uh, I can add those in afterwards so so that's my plan and so far so good it's really it's been really fun to just have that little camera and pull it out and and use it and it felt a little weird at first not having just everything that I usually bring, um, but it's been a really fun challenge, um, kind of a new creative thing. So I'm having a good time with it. That's cool. Um, somebody somebody gifted me a Rolly 35. I think, I don't know if it's a 35S or I haven't used it yet. Um, is it, is your camera the one, one where um, you have to kind of guesstimate how far away the subject you're photographing is? Yes, yes, because it's, okay. uh, is that called zone focusing? Yeah. Where, okay, um, yeah, it has like, um, I think depending, it can sometimes be one way and sometimes be another, but it's got uh, meters on one side, or like on the top and feet on the bottom or vice versa. And so, yeah, you're just kind of guessing and setting it to that right spot on the focusing knob on the end of the lens. 
Okay. That's I like I said, I have one and I have a couple of other cameras that are like that. And I always have kind of a I struggle with using them because I want to use them. They're they look like they're fantastic cameras, but I'm always second guessing myself as far as understanding how far away or figuring out how far away something is and making sure that's in focus and not something behind or in front of it. Um, right. But I'm going to have to break out of my mold and try it someday. <laughs> well, and they're good vacation cameras because I feel like the majority of my stuff on vacation, I can get away with just doing the infinity mm. distance mm. because a lot of times I'm doing like, you know, views, far away views. So then I feel like not as many photos will be botched by being completely blurry because I, you know, yeah, I've done the math all wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's easy to do. <laughs> well, cool. Well, Denise, how about you? What's been going on with you lately? Well, for the past, um, well, year, <laughs> I've been working on a project with a friend of mine that lives in uh, Stafford County. That's about an hour and a half northwest of me. Mm-hmm. And just been documenting the towns and the county uh, over the course of the year. And I've got like one more trip out I need to make for Oktoberfest. And then I'll be done with that, with my part anyway. And um, she's supposed to write some essays along with the photographs that we've taken over the course of the year out there in Stafford County. Um, what else has been going on? It's been kind of a roller coaster <laughs> of emotion <laughs> for me. So like last month, I had a uh, musician contact me. He lives in Toronto, Kansas, out in the Flint Hills, about an hour and a half the other way east. Okay. And he wanted me to take some portraits of him for some promo stuff. So I went out there and I did that. And um, I haven't been able to share any of that because he hasn't finished his CD and all that. So I figured once he puts it out, then I can put some stuff out. And let's see what else has been going on. I finally got around to shooting some pinhole again, but uh, my results were <laughs> less than stellar. Yeah. <laughs> I used my Holga wide pinhole. I went to the Dick Arboretum in Heston and I got maybe like a hundred feet away from my car and I got stung by a bee or something. Oh, no. <laughs> and so that kind of just threw me off. And so, yeah, my pictures were not very good on that trip. Oh no! <laughs> it was a good exercise, though, just to just to get back into, you know, dealing with pinhole and letting them cook and all that. Um, <laughs> letting them cook, I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, on a higher note, I did buy a Nikon D600. I've kind of been so into digital. A friend of mine on Instagram was purging some gear and i saw that and i was like okay this is a sign that's a good deal (laughs) i'm gonna pull the trigger on it and so i've been shooting that a little bit too just trying to get used to all the menus and stuff and just you push a menu button and all this stuff comes up and i'm just not used to that so just getting more comfortable with a different interface than with my film cameras it is weird isn't it like uh i I haven't really touched a a digital camera other than maybe turning one on or whatever but um you know really using it for like three years three three or four years or whatever and it i i think it would be kind of a weird transition back to it to like you said see the menus and figure out 
yeah, well, yeah, analog versus digital. Digital. It's not a bad thing, but it's just uh, they're different. They're so different. <laughs> it's just so many things, so many settings you have to remember to check. <laughs> and I'm just not used to doing that. It's like all my decisions are made as soon as I load a roll of film, and I yeah. don't think about it anymore. I know what I'm dealing with. But then, like, okay, every time I turn it on and I'm in a setting, then I have to remember, oh, white balance and the ISO and. <laughs> whatever metering mode and all that too so it's it's a different way of working it's true it's true well i know for me uh i had a little bit of a gear acquisition as well when julie went to well julie and i went to pick up her uh, speed graphic and her um yashica c uh, tlr um for being repaired and fixed and all that and the place that we go to to get our cameras repaired is almost like a museum it's this little shop but he has he and his wife just have like hundreds of cameras lenses all kinds of beautiful beautiful instruments and uh so we i always look around julie always looks around just uh, looking and sometimes wishing or maybe all the time wishing (laughs) and uh he has this rack um right by his register where it's like the top rack is like five dollars the next rack is 10 the next rack is 20 and it's all like bargain stuff and julie happened to see these three boxes that said minolta on it and i love minolta cameras and i i didn't hardly gave it a second thought because i just i i I couldn't compute it i guess (laughs) and uh so we paid for her cameras and then took off and she said you know i really think you might have liked those things that i showed you or pointed out and so I was like, hmm. So we turned back around and I went back in, brought my one of my Minolta SRTs in and asked to see if it would, you know, fit the camera. And it truly did. So it's a Minolta Bellows. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it's it's so interesting. It I'm well, for you listeners, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm uh, contracting in the bellows and then. Um, rolling the bellows out you can get so close to your subject and do I don't know what one-to-one macro photography is but it sure seems like you're doing it with this with these bellows and because it interfaces with the the uh, SRT uh, system well it was designed for the SRT system um, it does through the lens metering so you don't have to worry about you know uh, compensating for your for how far the bellows is out it just meters it correctly um wow. and the only thing you have to do is make sure that you're nice and still because that zoomed in just a little bit of uh, you know movement back and forth will get things out of focus or in focus but it's really cool <laughs> i've never seen such a thing me neither <laughs> so, no that is wild yeah you should just... put a note you should you should put that on the instagram just so people can see what the heck that looks like i will i will That's and fun. it was like 20 bucks 20 bucks no way. yeah came so with cool. a 100 millimeter lens Dang. so interesting so uh, we also got film there you didn't true. we forgot that he had a fishbowl thing full of old oh. film a dollar a roll and mario was like we don't need film and i was like a dollar a roll I will take all of those rolls. Thank yeah. you. Throw them in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty fruitful visit to the camera store. <laughs> but, all right. Well, let's get on into the, the discussion um, with both um, Anne and, and Denise. Um, 
one thing that I want to start out with is just Kansas in general. And like I said uh, in the introduction, Kansas is considered to be flyover country. I once read a something on the, in a, I think it was a Newsweek magazine or, you know, one of those magazines. And it had a little blurb that said, scientists have looked at the, topo the, the topography of Kansas and compared it to the topography, so to speak, of a pancake and have found out that Kansas is indeed flatter than a pancake. <laughs> so I don't know the veracity of that statement. This was years ago. But, you know, we all know that Kansas is very, very flat. And a lot of people from other parts of the country or the world, you know, consider Kansas to be kind of boring because it's just horizon. One person that I know said it's miles and miles of nothing but miles and miles. So I want to bring a little dignity <laughs> to my home state. <laughs> so Anne and Denise, um, can you guys just talk to our listeners about why you love or if you love shooting in Kansas and why uh, why Kansas is good photographically speaking? And either one of you can start. You can, you know, play back and forth or whatever. Okay. I'll defer to Denise for starters because she she was born and raised. I've only been there for, you know, 25 years. So I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like I need to address that flat as a pancake statement. I think that people who travel through the state mainly travel on the interstate system, which is designed to get you places quickly, but not in an interesting way. So you won't see the kind of interesting topography and towns and just roadside stuff on I-70 and 135, <laughs> which are for the people who are not real good cartographers, 70 goes east and west and 135, 35 goes uh, north to south. So if you're on those, you're not going to see what Kansas has to offer because mm -hmm. we do have a lot of different interesting landscapes going on i mean true there are no mountains but we do have our hills we have rock formations ancient rock formations badlands areas but you know i i have an appreciation for the prairie landscape and the different grasses and wildflowers and the different colors of dirt and all of that so i think if if you're the type of photographer that likes to uh, appreciate simplicity and can see the beauty in it, then you can see the beauty that Kansas has to offer. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and also, as a cyclist, I take issue with the flat as a pancake. <laughs> I honestly wish that Kansas was flat as a pancake sometimes. I don't know if it's just me, but there are a lot of hills that I have found uh, cycling around Kansas. So, um, so yeah, it's not it's not a hundred percent just you know flat, straight, you know, boring as people might might think of that. Um, and yeah, there's, I mean, I live out in the countryside, so um, I just like the, yeah, I like the, the challenge maybe, but it's not really a challenge in a, in a hard way. It's a challenge in a fun way of discovering stuff, um, sort of just 
you know, really noticing things, being present and uh, slowing down uh, and exploring. That's true. Um, something else that I that I found, um, you know, growing up in Kansas and living there a couple of times since, or at least once since Julie and I got married, we moved out there. It was during the the Great Recession, um, so it was kind of hard time. It was a hard time in that respect, but it was wonderful being back home. For, I think it was six months. Um, anyways, one one thing that I really grew to appreciate about Kansas, and it's not something that you see in it's not something that you can readily see or easily see in more mountainous areas. And it's not to, you know, take away from the beauty of say Vermont or Colorado or other places, you know, they have their inherent beauty, obviously. And it's maybe a little bit more apparent, but um, one thing that Kansas has and other places like it is the beautiful sunsets and the beautiful sunrises. Oh my goodness. Yes. Just the colors that are, that are present and every day is so different and sometimes you have those cirrus clouds or the cumulus clouds when you have thunderstorms off in the distance it's like oh my goodness it's breathtaking yeah i you know can i jump in quick absolutely by the way julie suzanne jump in anytime you want (laughs) okay okay so i i remember that like one of the first times chris and i were taking a road trip out there and i'm like all excited yeah we're going on a little little weekend trip he was like, where are you going? I'm like, Kansas. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, don't be sorry. Because I find it, I mean, it's totally different from Colorado. I mean, there's there's parts of Colorado that are similar, probably the Eastern Plains. But like once you get from the Western side of the state to the Eastern side of the state, like Anne was saying, it's, it's very hilly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not mountains, but it's very lush. And I saw actually landscape that I didn't really expect to even though I used to live out that way, I didn't really remember it as well, but I think it's fantastic for, like you were saying, the sunsets, but even just watching weather, the clouds, I probably shot 1700 pictures of the thunderstorms as we're driving through and the golden wheat fields. And then you can see the um, farm equipment. Like they were, they happen to be uh, farming (laughs) and cutting down wheat or whatever they're cutting down. And just like stuff like that is, I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I thoroughly enjoyed photographing out there. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's gorgeous. I agree. I agree. Um, So, you know, when you live in a place for long enough, and I know that I've gotten this way. I've heard other people like Mike Gutterman. He's talked about this. A lot of other uh, photographers have talked about that, talked about this. When you live in a place long enough, you almost feel like you've shot everything that there is to be shot. So how, uh, so for both of you, Anne and Denise, how do you, how do you, um, how do you keep your inspiration going when you're in the state of Kansas, as far as finding something new to photograph or photographing something old in a different way? How do you, how do you find your inspiration? Well, I haven't been everywhere in Kansas, so I know there's always something more out there for me to see, and I just need to get out there and explore more. But I can see how people would say that if you're photographing the town where you live, and you can kind of get some change blindness going on where you don't really notice the little subtleties that happen in where you live. And so I think you kind of have to change your frame of mind about your home, your town where you live and just kind of uh, approach it 
maybe like as a tourist, kind of put that tourist eyeglass on and try to look at it from a different perspective. And just even some simple ways like just using different gear and going out different times of the day than you normally would or different uh, um, film emulsions. I like I like effects films. I like to do wacky colors. And so that can totally change a simple street scene into something a little more intriguing. So that's just some things that kind of I, I tackle with uh, photographing in my in my own town and and venturing out further into the state but I have a lot more to go <laughs> when it comes to exploring the state for sure yeah <laughs> how about you yeah, I feel like I've I feel like I've barely scratched the surface um and then I think maybe something that I do which is um kind of a variation on what Denise just talked about is um, I travel a fair amount outside of Kansas, and I feel like every time when I come back, I see things differently, um, and I and I notice different things. So it just feels like it's always fresh and full of potential. And I also really really like um, the the chance to kind of. Um, follow things over time. Uh, being out in the countryside, um, you know, a bunch of my neighbors have old barns and it's been really interesting over the years to take the same, sort of the same view of the barn, but then compare the photos and see how the barn is changing, how it's aging. And um, in one case, you know, the barn fell over and it was just really interesting to have seen that, like to have sort of um, documented that whole thing on film, even though that wasn't why I was taking photos of it, it wound up being this really interesting documentation of change. So, so yeah. Yeah, I kept, I guess, capturing the lifetime of an object or the lifetime of a town. It's, it's fascinating for sure. Well, cool. Um, well, let's get into a little bit about each of you. Um, Denise, I wanted to ask you, and we, you know, again, Suzanne and Julie, step in anytime you want. Um, quiet girl, loud hair. What's her name again? <laughs> uh, that's my friend, Britton. Britton, okay. Um, you've been doing a lot of photography uh, with her as a subject, and I, I just have to say, it's, it's so cool. So, so cool. Um, <laughs> Can you just talk about that a little bit? Sure. Okay. Uh, Britton and I worked together at the library uh, back in 2015, and our desks were right up against each other. So we were either going to get on each other's nerves or we were going to be friends. So we decided <laughs> that we were going to be friends. And um, we both had an interest in, well, we still do. We both have an interest in like fashion photography and just bright colors and just things that are interesting and, and clothing and hair is definitely her thing too. And while we were working together, we would, on our 15 minute break, sometimes we would just like go in the stairwell and take some pictures or go in the basement and take some pictures or go to the park across the street and just use that 
quick little time to be creative, kind of get a break and then come back. And that's kind of how we got started shooting together. And um, gosh, it was like 2015 in the fall. I had made this uh, flower headdress thing. on a headband and I was talking to her about it and we kind of just started bouncing ideas off of each other about what to do with this headdress and so then I had found this old wedding dress in the thrift store and I was like what size dress do you wear and I was like this is meant to happen (laughs) so so we found this old wedding dress we put the headdress on her she had a friend that does makeup and she did like the spooky makeup on her and we went to uh, Maple Grove Cemetery, which is the pretty well-known cemetery here in Wichita, and did our whole like ghost bride spooky shoot out there in 2015, and that's kind of where like, oh, these are fantastic. When we finally got the film back, and that that was the beginning, and we just kept going after that, and just regularly met up and come up with ideas or characters uh, for her to kind of act out in front of the camera that I feel like that helped her be more natural in her posing if she has this character in her head and she'll be thinking about what would this person be doing in this setting and so I don't have to necessarily have to say stand over here do this I can just fine-tune what she's already doing as she plays this character so that's kind of the workflow that we have with each other when we shoot and it's just been a lot of fun to really explore ideas with someone who's so comfortable in front of the camera you know you you're less psychologist and more photographer (laughs) when you have somebody who's already comfortable you can kind of skip all of that and get right to work and it's really led to some other opportunities for her as well she's done some uh, pop-up fashion show modeling um just from getting out there and meeting people and all of that from having her work our work scene and we had been in a um, charity art show that I took some pictures of her and it got in the art show so she invited some friends to go see that and it's just been fun it's been fun to have a creative partner that's cool. I still think that she looks like Ray from Star Wars. <laughs> so she, she should cut. <laughs> yeah. She, she should cosplay. What's that? She loves that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> she should cosplay sometime. Um, you know, one of your fo- uh, photographs of her, I think it was, uh, let's see. I'm not sure. Oh, Ju- June 17th. On, I'm looking on Instagram right now. Uh, you shot her on your GA, Fuji GA645 in Lomo Turquoise. And, oh, in uh, town. <laughs> Yeah. And first of all, I love that photograph. But what's interesting is I was looking, I I looked up just uh, Lomochrome Turquoise in Instagram to just to see all the photographs. And I saw that your that photograph of her was in the top 100. Oh, is it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I hadn't even checked. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's cool. Just as I think yesterday or the day before. So pretty cool. Yeah, I got an email saying that Lomo is supposed to be shipping some the turquoise out soon. So, man, so just send me a tracking number. Send me a tracking number. That's what I want to know. <laughs> I know, I know. Wow, and you, this sounds like the most best relationship friendship. <laughs> so 
someone that would be willing to like be on the other side of the camera. My kids are done with me. So like, <laughs> I would love to have that kind of friend in my life. That is so cool. I love that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I feel very lucky that we kind of found each other and fell into this friendship yeah. and partnership with each other creatively. Yeah, it's really, it's, we've I feel like we've I've she's really helped me improve my portrait work since I've had somebody that I could you know shoot pretty regularly. Right, right. That's cool. So I look back at some of those old pictures that we were just messing around at work, and it's like, okay, I've come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, but you can thank those old photos for getting you to where you are, you know? (laughs) Right, absolutely. It's part of the journey. Exactly. Well, Anne, as far as you go, as far as uh, you're concerned, you know, something I noticed in, uh, I think all of us have noticed in your photography is you do a lot of Polaroid work. Um, and yes. you, you talked about when you travel, you like to take your, um, you know, your instant camera, focus on instant instant photography uh, for the most part. Um, what is it that draws you to to instant photography and Polaroids? Um, I think I there's, it's maybe a couple of things. I did not grow up having Polaroid cameras, uh, even though friends had them. So I think always in I had a little, you know, sort of low key uh regret about that so when i sort of i don't know maybe 10 years ago kind of noticed that the instax was on the scene i got excited and i got the camera that suzanne just showed the the uh the neo 90 or the mini 91 yeah um and that was awesome and there was just something about on vacation being able to uh, take the photos and see them that was just so gratifying um, and be able to share them um, you know, with people and I just really gravitated towards that and then being able to kind of combine like I was always used to you know keeping a journal on the trip and then waiting for my photos to come back from the lab and then making like a just a photo kind of uh, photo album or scrapbook or whatever and so then I realized that there was this way that I could combine everything and do it in the moment that just seemed really interesting uh, and like a, a fun, creative challenge. And once I did it, uh, I was just hooked on doing it that way, even though it meant that, you know, because I usually travel with only a carry-on bag, that it meant that the amount of clothing was drastically reduced to accommodate the film. (laughs) Uh, But then it was good because, you know, then your film kind of, you start making room in your luggage by the end of your trip um, when you use up your film. So, so then you have room for souvenirs. So it sort of worked out. Although honestly, my main souvenir has always just been like the journal that I keep. Um, But yeah, I just, I just really, there was just something about the whole process of it and uh interacting with people especially um that that it just seemed to i don't know just be a really it never felt like it never does feel like a chore it it feels like a really fun way to experience the the vacation the travel that's cool that's cool um it does seem like with with instant photography that it it, it would enable 
you to have more conversations with somebody because you they can almost instantly see the results of what you know if they're the subject you know that's that's one of the nice things about about that format of photography yeah yeah and i i feel like um i think maybe i've been getting better i i think in the beginning i was really pretty awkward about approaching people to take their photographs um but then with with the instant film you know people get so excited about having their picture taken and then seeing it and getting to keep it yeah. that it just is a total yeah it's it's a great way to connect with people for sure you know one one of the uh polaroids uh or one of the posts that you put on instagram that i want to ask you about um it, it's a little bit down in your feed but it's a polaroid and i think it's a picture of you with your mouth open and there's a burn spot right in the middle oh yeah yeah how- how did you do that? And it just explain the, the story behind it. It's really, really a, a cool photograph. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to, like, I knew the effect in my head. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to to have this actual hole in the photo, um, you know, where my mouth was, not just sort of uh, the illusion of it or whatever. And so I took the photo and... Uh, I think uh, I have a, um, what do you call those, an eyelet setter where you um, you have to punch a hole first and then, oh, yeah. you, and then to set the eyelet. Um, and so I started with that to actually get the hole. And then I actually like took a, took a match and kind of, you know, because I had the hole, then I could use the match to kind of like slowly burn the hole larger. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to just sort of like, you know, try to like, you know, poke the match, you know, onto the photo or like hold it underneath it or something like that. Cause right. I, was pretty sure that it was just going to all go up in flames. <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, if I already have some stuff removed, like then I can maybe more easily like control what's going on and kind of first burn the edges of it. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's how I did it. Sort of, it it actually was one of my ideas that worked the first time. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, cool. That's so cool. Um, this might be an awkward question, but did it have a funky smell when you were doing that? Yeah, I was like, maybe I should be doing this in a well-ventilated area. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I had started it in the kitchen, and I thought, yeah, maybe I'll take this outside. <laughs> so, yeah. It wasn't too bad, but it was enough to think, like, maybe I shouldn't be, like, you know, <laughs> leaving this stuff inside my house. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> cool. Um well, uh, Julie and Suzanne, do you have any uh, thing to Julie, add? Do you, Julie? Do you have a question? No, I was trying to tell him to look at you because you oh, were okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do. Yes, of okay. course I do. I'm such a talker. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, actually, Denise and I just had a conversation about um, the Diana Instant Square and instant photography. So I know we all love that. Um, and what I was noticing that I love about I know it's your Instagram I'm talking about, but I feel like you reflect. One thing I really love that you do is your journaling, your your combination of your words with your photos. Like 
so inspiring to me. And when I look at your Instagram, I was going through both of yours slowly the other night, just like taking in each of the pictures. And I love how you display them. It makes such, it tells such a story with where you have your instant photo sitting in, in the picture oh. that you're posting on. And so it's almost like, it's almost like you're journaling via a photo. Does that make sense? I am not describing this very well, but let's say for example, uh, I'm scrolling through your thing. Um, even, even the one that th this one is where you have a picture of aspens in the snow, but there's aspens in the snow behind it. It kind of gives you a more real feel, not just the photograph, but like, I feel like it's speaking as well. Um, there was another one that, oh, it was a gentleman and he has a cowboy hat on and I think it's like steak and beans. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I was like, wow, does this add, it adds something so cool. The other one that just stuck out so much is, and I'm like jaw dropped at this instant picture anyway, is a picture of the car with the palm trees and it's in the sand. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That is one of the <laughs> raddest looking colors on instant film that I think I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you. No, yeah, I, I think that like when I first started out, um, I didn't know how to scan film. Like it's not a joke, it's actually for real, but, um, but that sort of is what um, spawned the whole thing that I was like, well, I want to show this photo, but I don't just want to like stick it on the table and like hover over it with my iPhone, but I don't know how to scan. And, and then I thought, well, I kind of want to put it in context and like, like give it a framework, give it, you know, yeah, a story or just something, you know, to, to kind of, uh, you know, the bigger picture, if you will. And, and then it kind of started. And so initially it was just very much the, could I line everything up? Could I hold it at the right distance? You know, that it looked like it was, you know, part of the background, almost like it was just a frame, you know, but then it got, yeah, I started having more fun with the, like, yeah. Cause I took a picture of that guy cause he was sitting at the table next to us at dinner um, at this, <laughs> this funny restaurant. And I was like, well, I'm just going to put it on top of my plate, you know, because that's what, that's where we are. We're at dinner and this guy is the next table over. Um, yeah. And the same one with the sand, although I've had people like, oh my gosh, didn't you worry that, you know, you were going to scratch the Polaroid? And I was like, no, I never oh. worry about that. <laughs> um, you know, cause I just think that's, that's part of the, the charm or the beauty of them is that in my opinion, they're meant to be touched. They're meant mm -hmm. to be handled, passed around, given to people. Um, so, so I'm totally okay with, yeah, sticking it in, in, uh, in the sand or like I've floated them on water before you have to work quickly because they do sink. Um, but oh, if you okay. can kind of like, if you can kind of do the whole, like, uh, it must be like a surface tension thing where it'll, it'll be like on the surface for a little while. So you can kind of work quickly <laughs> before it starts to, you know, yeah. um, but yeah, it just, it's, I don't know. To me, it's just another way to play with the photograph. Yeah. It, it adds such dimension. It really, to me, was like, I'm like, it's like she's journaling without journaling. <laughs> like, it's yeah, going beyond, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's going beyond just the image that you took. Like, when you talk about the water, in my head, I was like, 
are those raindrops on that pollard or i know it's an insect but um the yellow leaves oh yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah. So i'm usually and out it's, in the it's rain covered, and like yeah. in, in mist and water <laughs> i think it's fantastic it is such a it is it's just really cool like bravo oh, thank you <laughs> thank you thank you so much i appreciate yes, that you're welcome. <laughs> cool cool oops okay i'm on um so Denise, uh, something I want to ask you about, and I think you've done this with a lot of people, myself included, and I think you said that you did it with Anne or have done it with Anne, and that's film swapping. <laughs> so just explain for our listeners what film swapping is and why you like it so much. Okay. Um, well, film swapping is an approach to do double exposures on a roll of film. So how I do it is I usually shoot a roll all the way through. And I know some people like to plan out what they're going to shoot on their roll. If they're, if like, if you're shooting first, what you want to have as your base image throughout the roll. But, you know, I like a little serendipity. I like surprises. So I just shoot a variety of stuff. And then if I'm shooting first, and then I'll send it to, I, well, I've seen YouTube rolls just recently. I think they made it there. And um, the other person will shoot over it, and you'll have this combination of the two images on each frame or however many exposures you want to do i guess you could do more if you want it <laughs> but i like the element of surprise that you get when you're doing double exposures with the film swap with someone else um you know because we all shoot things differently and we have you know different approaches to just to what catches our eye and just to see how those two very different ideas can combine into something singular and interesting and intriguing or you know sometimes it could just be a mess but it's just fun to find out you know the possibilities about what can happen because you know i i don't do a lot of planning like i said i just like to shoot a variety of things that i think might work for a double and then send it on or if someone wants to do that with me shoot it first and send it to me i'll i kind of uh, Tackle it the same way. Yeah. As long as you um, mark your start, then you can kind of get your frames to line up a little better. And keep in mind about how your cameras load too. Like if your roll goes on the left or if it goes on the right, because <laughs> some cameras load on either side. So keep that in mind too. But you know, all of that too can make things interesting too. If you, some things that are upside down going one way and right side up the other, that might be interesting too. I just like to see what can happen. I just like the element of surprise. Absolutely. Um, you, I'm sure you've done, or I'm assuming that you've done um, film swaps with a number of people. Um, are there any ones that have stood out to you as far as funkiness or weirdness or the cool factor? Yeah, um, I did a red scale, <clears throat> excuse me, film swap with a photographer in Iowa. And um, I think I shot it first and I just shot pictures of like, NASA space photos. Oh wow! <laughs> so it was like stars and nebulas and 
flames and all kinds of weird stuff. And then I sent it to her and she shot um, like old buildings and antique cars. And there was this one that lined up where the flames were coming off the top of this antique car that she had shot. And it was a scale and it just, it was like, whoa, because <laughs> we did not plan that at all. And it just turned out amazing. And uh, it's pretty probably kind of deep in my feed but if you scroll you'll <laughs> i think you, you could find it but yeah that's one that really stood out first in my head about just that wow factor of like wow that's really worked out great yeah <laughs> but then ann and i did a swap uh with some color film and I think she was in Colorado at the time when she shot it, and I shot uh, some stuff in the cemetery, and I really liked how the trees that she shot kind of light up with one of the sculptures from the cemetery. I don't know if Anne remembers this or not. But... Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah, that was, that was very... Yeah, that was my first... Yeah. Oh, that was your first swap? It was my first swap, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Well, I'm glad we got something good out of it for your first go round, so you won't be scared to do it again. <laughs> no, that was awesome. I would, I would happily do it again. It was really interesting. Just the element of surprise. Yeah, I liked yeah. that. All I had to worry about was kind of the lining up the beginning of the role, you know, getting it in right, and then the thinking about what uh, sort of how to set things to allow for the the right uh, exposure settings for the double exposure but then right. everything else was just uh you know super super open right and you know mario you and i did one um and i can't remember which film it was but we, we both shot like um street scenes mm -hmm. and i don't know if it was my light poles or your light poles that were kind of going off into the distance oh man on, on top of this like parking lot scene yeah that was one that kind of stands out for me that you and i did yeah i yeah i, I think when we did it we did a roll of pro image 100 and a roll of kono rottweil number two oh, yeah. the red scale right and two well a lot of a lot from the kono um the the Kona role really I, I love that entire role how it I mean I love both of them but that one in particular just really stood out to me but two exposures that are two pictures that I really thought were like how did that happen um, it was almost like the exposures had these vertical bars of decreasing saturations of colors or like you know red dark it was red. because I was having issues with that camera and I couldn't get my film <laughs> <laughs> loaded correctly <laughs> it was acted up and so i had to like reload that red scale roll a couple of times and I was oh, like, this works. <laughs> so then i ended up with you know just those chopped up vertical images on top of each other from reloading and reloading this camera <laughs> well i thought it was so rad <laughs> but again you know just to see what happens serendipity the universe looked out for us and worked out <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Julie and Suzanne, have you guys ever done any uh, film swapping of any kind? I, I've just I only flopped with myself. Yeah. <laughs> no. Swapped, not flopped. Oh, swapped. swapped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I did one a long time ago when I was very first like getting back into it and stuff. I did it with a couple of people and it was really fun. Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing it again. I think it was, I got to say some of the red scale stuff would be super cool. Red scale is one of my favorite mm. films. I, I think that we need to see it on a, on a double exposure. You know, what would be kind of funky would be for all five of us to do one roll of film. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whoa! You have five exposures on top of each other. Yeah, like the whole film, no, no, uh, what do you call it? Um, frame lines at all, <laughs> or maybe five in one photo. <laughs> Random. That'd be a fun. Yeah, I mean, I have a Horizon Perfect, so um, a panorama camera, so that would be interesting <laughs> for something <laughs> like that. You know, we're all shooting, and then all shoot different. Like, I could shoot panels. Someone could do half frame all on this one roll <laughs> that could be, be interesting cool. that, be wild. that would be fun that would be hard for whoever got the privilege of scanning it oh, oh man which one do we pick <laughs> <laughs> to do well, a large format sheet holder oh yeah flop why do i keep saying flop <laughs> swap with somebody i've done a few with my speed graphic but you know just with my doing it myself so that would be cool i don't know if any of you guys have a four by five camera i have not ventured into large format no i haven't either i need what? i need all the chances i could get to get something good i mean if i've <laughs> just got one one shot at it <laughs> I feel like that would devastate me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it, I'm well, not about it, precision at all, so I figure with large format, you really have to be precise, and that's just like not who I am photographically <laughs> at all. Well, you don't have to be. It depends on what you're shooting, too, because I shoot a lot of paper negatives because it's so much cheaper, and then I don't, I don't even think about it. It's like. You can shoot as many as you want. I mean, well, I guess if you buy paper, fancy paper, it probably costs a lot. But all of my paper has come secondhand in buying people's darkroom lots. So, you know, it's negligible, um, the cost of the paper. And you just cut it down and stick it in. I shoot film. I shoot film also. But if I don't want to worry, I just use paper. Here's an idea. If we if we do a large, you know, large format, four by five or whatever, Julie, you've made um shoebox pinhole cameras. We could put, you know, one piece of film or one piece of paper and then tape it up and then just send it to all five of us and each do our one exposure and then send it back and get it developed. A shoebox swap. Right. That way you wouldn't have to, you know, you wouldn't have to buy a, a large format camera. It'd just be this one shoebox traveling around the country, <laughs> Get, capturing images from, from everywhere, you know. But well, we can do it after you do the math to figure out how how you would adjust the exposure. Yeah. Because you're shooting ISO 6 to start with, with paper. Yeah, that's true. It'll it'll be a fun challenge <laughs> if you guys are up for it. <laughs> I shall ship you all my shoebox. 
<laughs> Mario, uh, when are you going to shoot my rolls that I sent you? Well, I have one loaded. It's the, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, the Acros, Fuji Acros. Okay. And I'm getting ready to start uh, using that camera and focusing on that. And then the other one, which is the, oh, man, I forget which film it is. It's a color I film. It's just, I think it's just gold. Yes, gold 200. I'm going to red scale that one. So I'm going to cut the leader off, go into my dark room, oh. switch, uh, you know, swip, uh, swap the film around and then load it back into the into the reel, put the leader back on and then load it into the camera and uh, see what happens. Yeah, we'll have an expose both sides film swap, double exposure, extravaganza. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah, and I shot that on my stereo camera. So, yeah, yeah this is going to be interesting. And then I did the super sampler in black and white. So this will be interesting. <laughs> what is the super sampler? Super sampler is a toy camera, and it has four lenses uh, lined up oh. next to each other. And they take turns one frame of a film and you can set it to like two seconds or I forget what the other speed it's a little faster oh wow and that's it and there's no viewfinder you just point at stuff and push the button <laughs> which I love but yeah we'll see what happens that's cool I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it really really <laughs> that sounds kind of like shooting with a pinhole camera Oh, yeah, with no viewfinder. Yeah, yeah where you're just hoping. <laughs> I, I like that about pinhole. Like, I, I'm always just guessing. Like, I wonder what you're actually going to see. You know? you know, when you shoot you shoot those pinholes enough and you get your results back, you kind of get a feel for the field of view and where it's where to point it after a while once you shoot, once you shoot them enough. Then you don't even need the viewfinder. If cool. you stick with one long enough, I have a problem with just making more, and then I don't ever know what any of them do. But I tell myself I should really stick with one so that I get more, you know, more predictable results. But then I'm like, squirrel. Right. Oh, I totally get that. But when I was shooting my zero image six by six pinhole uh, a little more often, I. I got a good feel of where it would shoot. And so I didn't really need the viewfinder. You know, I didn't need, I felt like I didn't need it because I knew where the field of view would, would be for that square. But, you know, I had taken a break from pinhole. Like, man, I got to get back into this again. <laughs> Figure all this out again. <laughs> Denise, I saw your, your pinhole with the zero. And mm -hmm. I was so excited because that's, that's the same pinhole that I have. And oh. it was that picture that inspired me, I'm gonna take that on my trip to Maine. Cause before I'm like, well, I need one medium format, I'll take my Rolly or the Yashica. And I was like, no, this is like a slow trip for us. It's just me and my husband. So I can take the time to do pinhole. So because of you, I'm taking my pinhole. Oh, wonderful. And <laughs> I love zero, the zero is really nice. It's a, I love like, it. I call it my pretty box. Cause you know, it's teak wood and it has nice it hardware on it. It's a yeah. breeze to load, I love it. Yes, so yes. you'll have fun. I'm yep. very excited to to play with it more. I, n I didn't play with it too much when I first got it. I got it about a year ago. I think I've maybe put three rolls through it. So I'm excited to just like actually do some quality, <laughs> some more more thoughtful. Let me say more thoughtful pinhole stuff. 
Now, is the yeah. Zero image, is that a 35 millimeter or is that a medium format? The one I have is 120, but I okay. think they do. They make some other formats too. Okay. Oh. Cool, cool. Well, Anne, I wanted to, well, all of us, um, we noted that you travel a lot. So, um, you know, we talked about Kansas photography, but I'm thinking like, you know, all, Julie and I have traveled to various parts of the world and Suzanne, I'm sure you've traveled to other parts of the of the world or at least of the other of the country uh traveling is so you know so fun it exposes us to different cultures and foods and all that um what are some of the like when you think of photography what are some of the the places that you've found to be the most breathtaking photographically speaking oh wow um i have to say one of the okay um maybe the the big standout would be Antarctica. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> no, it was it was wild because uh, we happened to be there when uh, the penguins were eggs were hatching. Um, so it was really fascinating to to try to like capture the the penguins on instant film. Uh, and just also uh, figuring out, I don't know, the ice, I, you know, I never thought I would find ice so interesting to to look at, uh, but it's it's incredible. It's just gorgeous. Um, and and so I really enjoyed like that was just really unique opportunity uh, with the with the instant film. And I use the Instax instead of. Uh, Polaroid film because uh, the temperature issues um, that, you know, Polaroid film, you want to keep it uh, cold in your fridge, you know, but you don't actually, you want it to warm up when you're actually using it. <laughs> so, uh, and I knew from having gone to Iceland that uh, trying to keep the camera like inside my jacket and quick take the photo and then stick everything back in wasn't enough so I went with the Instax for there and yeah so that worked so that one that one stands out um as really pretty pretty breathtaking is is the ice down there um kind of blue is it, or does it have a blue uh, blue coloration to it uh it the ones from Iceland did yeah oh, okay. they definitely had a blue tint like the 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 weather came through in the film um but then on the complete opposite, like when I was just in Egypt, uh, again, with the Instax film, I was just, and also Greece, uh, I was just blown away by how well it worked, uh, even with the super bright sun. Um, like I got some just amazing color um, with the instant film. So, so yeah, probably those two extremes, maybe I would, I would, uh, you know, highlight. So that's cool the desert to the you know crystal desert i guess yeah <laughs> all temperature extremes wow that's awesome <laughs> yeah. um what what drew you to ice uh not iceland well iceland too but antarctica that's like nobody lives well very few people live there it's uh the very <laughs> south part of the of the world so what what drew you to there yeah, we just, um, as a family, we had kind of talked about wanting to do it, um, and we did it, 
I think we just kind of acted on it because we realized that it was going to, we have four kids and we realized that, you know, the older they got, while, you know, there's always that argument for, oh, wait till the kids are old enough to appreciate it. Like there's also that, but once they start doing things on their own, like it's very hard to get everybody in one place. Um, so we just kind of, it all kind of came together. Um, and I think it's one of our favorite family vacations. Oh. Did you fly there or? We flew to uh, the very bottom of South America. Um, okay. And then we took a ship uh, to there. It was a very small, like we did a very small um uh, it was like a repurposed Russian icebreaker ship, and there were oh, maybe wow. 50 of us total. And it was, you know, pretty heavy on the science uh, and stuff like that. So it wasn't like a glamorous, you know, fancy cruise. It was more like, um, you know, every day we would go out um, and, and uh, you know, study stuff. Uh, so it was really good. Cool. Yeah. Did you have to... I'm thinking this because we're going to we're getting ready to, as a family for us to get our passports. Um, did you have to use a passport to get into Antarctica itself? No, but there was an opportunity when we went to one of the um, uh, what do you want to call those um, research stations there that uh, they uh, stamped our passports for just for fun. Um, okay. You know, but uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't required otherwise. Um, but yeah, you needed it uh, when we were, you know, to to start things off. Basically. Okay. Um, I'm thinking, um, is it McMurdo Station? Is that one one of the stations that's down yeah, there? Yeah, that is it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow, that's that's fascinating. So fascinating. I I've heard. Well, like a uh, thinking about other planets or other um maybe satellites of other planets and comparing it to comparing them to earth there's hard to find places on the earth that could be comparable to some of these other places but antarctica seems to be one of those places where we could conceivably conceivably think that some other places in our solar system are somewhat analogous to places like antarctica because of the extreme temperatures and dryness and all that um that's that's fascinating one one place I'd love to go um, is it's it's this little uh, ice shelf island uh, called Buvatoya, and it's as far as I could tell, it's like the most remote island on the planet. So it's north oh, wow. of Antarctica, and I think west of I think west of Africa and east east of South America, and it's like in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean but far enough down south that it's it's uninhabited uh except for by you know some seabirds or whatever but i think photography in those those areas would be really really fascinating <laughs> yeah for sure cool awesome awesome well julie and suzanne um as we wrap up uh this uh this episode do you guys have any other questions for either denise or um ann i do okay it's a quick, well, I think a, I have two. One's quick, one maybe not quick. Um, first, I just wanted to know how long you've both been shooting 
how long you've both been taking pictures? Like, did you start when you were kids or when you were already grown up? Who's going first? <laughs> uh, you, can, you, you can go first. I was, like, very curious about your answer. So I was wondering. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I started taking pictures regularly when I was around 12 years old. Um, I had been using my mom's 110 camera every now and then, and I just decided I want my own camera. So I told my dad I wanted my own camera. So for my birthday, he took me to Kmart, and I just made 35-millimeter uh, Kodak camera and take it to school and get my film developed at Osco Drug and get my prints. So from age 12 to now, I've been pretty regular about um, taking pictures. I mean, it started out just documenting my my life and my friends and making my photo albums. And then it kind of got into, oh, I want to be a little more creative. And then that's when the gear acquisition starts. (laughs) When you when you want to have cameras that can do, you know, you have a little more control over them. So then you can be a little more creative and try different things and just learn about the exposure triangle and all that and get kind of past just documenting and getting more towards creation. So from, yeah, age 12 to now, I've just been kind of obsessed with it. That's cool. That's a long time. Well, I don't have any idea how old you are. I don't even think I'm not sure I have seen a picture of you to even make a guess but oh i'm 46 I, I'm, so <laughs> well so we're this in the same we're close <laughs> we're close <laughs> in age so that's a long time i've i've only been 10 months taking pictures so um you've got a lot of experience to share <laughs> there. and what about you Dan? Yeah, I um I got a Kodak Instamatic uh, camera like that that did the uh, 120 126 cartridges I think um, when I was 10. That was my birthday present when I was 10 years old, and I yeah I used that for a long time, and then I I think I graduated to a 35 millimeter camera that I took to college. It was nothing special. I think it was a hand-me-down from my dad. And then I wound up uh, getting something of my own, but uh, it wasn't until recently that I really started learning about different cameras, different formats, and yeah, and acquiring cameras, uh, and, and just having more fun, being a little more intentional versus like Denise said, just the looking at it be way beyond just as a documentation tool. That's cool. Um, I know when I was 10 and 12, I was just obsessed more with art. I was drawing and pen and inking and charcoaling mostly. And that's kind of mostly all I've done. Um, my whole life has been more that type of art so a camera is now kind of a replacement which is kind of weird I haven't painted or drawn much since I started taking pictures so I kind of look at it as another way to try I'm not good at it yet 
so I haven't gotten the results that I would like to get very often. But, you know, finding films like Kentmere 400 that looks to me, if I do it right, it looks like I've used charcoal. Um, and some, if I do it a certain way, which I'm not even sure yet what the certain way is, but sometimes I get a picture that looks like a painting, um, which that's cool to me to, it's trying to capture stuff like I, like I try to do with other mediums. But, um, my other question is, since you've both been shooting a long time, is there something that could happen or what do you think could happen that would stop you? Like just end you taking pictures. Um, hmm. I guess me leaving the mortal coil, I guess just <laughs> <laughs> that would be the only thing that would stop me. Cause I always say, you know, if it's, you know, when it stops being fun, I would stop, but it hasn't stopped being fun. So <laughs> I keep going. Yeah, I would I would say I'm exactly the same. It's just something that I really enjoy doing and I, I can't imagine not enjoying doing. I don't know. I heard that there are times when I take a break, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, I don't have any ideas right now. Just, you know, so I'm not going to force it. But those breaks never last for very long because then you get that itch can or you get an idea. Sometimes you just need that space and that time away for ideas to flow back in and then you can get back into it again. And with I've noticed with photography in my short time, it's like there are so many different options and combinations that you can pick and choose from that it seems like it is kind of limitless. I mean, unless they stop making film, but then we'll just have to learn how to coat other stuff. And, you know, we'll have to all become chemists, I guess, and go back to glass plates and making tintypes and stuff so we can keep doing it. But um, I heard on, I think it's all through a lens, Vanya, I have one of her, I bought a camera from her. And so she was saying, she used that question on one of their podcasts and she was saying at first she thought maybe if she went blind, maybe that would stop her. But then she said, nope, I'm pretty good with my feet. I'll figure out how to load film with my feet and I'll keep going, which I <laughs> made me think. I was like, I don't know. Like, I think if I went blind, that probably would stop me. I, I'm not sure I would want to make pictures that I couldn't see. Um, you know, I saw article this has been a while back but i saw this article about this blind woman that was still taking pictures and she won some sort of photography award so you can't really even use being blind as an excuse <laughs> to not a, take a picture there's here too that that he is i think he is legally blind and he had some stuff in a show in our santa fe art district that is wildly good huh i think if i, I was think blind i might sculpt blind. instead but I think if you can get some light into your eye, I think, you know, if you're legally blind, you still get lights and shadows and stuff. And that's yep. basically what photography is. So, you know, why not just step out your front door and follow those lights and shadows, even if you can't fully see it? You know, if you, if you love photography that much, I don't think you'd let even being blind stop you. <laughs> right. So here's my challenge before I stop talking then. 
I think we should all blindfold ourselves so you can only see the light. (laughs) (laughs) And we should take pictures and then see what they look like. That'd be cool. Can I use not a focus camera, though? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking quietly to myself, now I have a camera that can do that without my help. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It would be interesting to see what what you got. Yeah, pinholes have gone that way, too. True. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, Suzanne, do you have any questions? Any further questions? One question for Anne and a comment for Denise. So, Anne, being you are the travel queen, um, I do not travel much, but I have a lot of film that I'm taking. And I know to hand check it. Do you also have Polaroid hand checked? Oh, you know, I'm terrible with the with the checking film. I actually don't. I just let it all go through the x-ray machine. Okay. Fair Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I am totally uh, irresponsible is the word that comes no. to mind. Um, about, about, reckless. Uh, my, yeah, reckless. There we go. Yes. Unconcerned. <laughs> you live on the edge. You live on the edge. I do live on the edge. Yeah. Well, you know, because most of the time I'm I'm more concerned with uh, with other things. Um you know, that I feel like the the hand checking the film introduces like, you know, potential for, I don't know, trouble, other trouble, um, okay. you know, like, um, well, like I was, you know, when I was in Egypt recently and uh, like I was, I had to get my stuff, my bag searched because something showed up on the x-ray machine. I don't know what it was, um, but anyhow. So they were, uh, you know, unpacking my bag and looking at everything and like my spork totally derailed them. And uh, and I thought, man, if I had also had this whole film thing going on, I'm sure something would have gone wrong. Like there's just that would have been like too much. And and there was one time, I think, when uh, I had a bag of film and I asked them to hand check it and the person took the bag of film and vanished. And I thought, oh, no, did we not understand what I was asking you to do? You know, and I'm just standing there waiting and trying to stay calm. And then, of course, I'm worried that, like, the fact that I'm sweating profusely, like, somebody's got me video camera. And they, they're now convinced that this is a sign that what they've taken away is indeed, you know, right. illegal or something. Like so I'm trying to, you know, you know, not set off their, like, sweat meters. And it was just... Yeah, it was. So I just thought, you know, from now on, I just I'm going to believe the signs that say that nothing's going to harm the film if it's under 800. And I just crossed my fingers. And so actually so far, uh, so good. So, yeah. And I'm I'm traveling in the U.S., so it's not like I have to worry. I don't think I have to really worry that much. But, you know, it's the unknown that I'm like, well, do I even I don't even know about the Polaroid. I was like, well. Yeah, no, that, well, depending, because if you're using, like, the SX-70 and you're using the SX-70 film, that's, uh, well, it's 70, um, but then if you even are using, like, the 600 film for yeah, it, yeah, it's still under the thing, um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, if you have, if you're able to do it, it's, it's a great idea, I just, uh, you know, don't bother uh, okay. for myself, but, you know, okay. like, everyone... But, you know, there are other things I sweat that other people don't sweat. So, you know. It's like, that's fair. <laughs> no, that's fair. Thank you very much. So the lower the ISO, yeah. the better? Allegedly. I think. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. Okay. Or that's what I tell myself. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard the same thing. I think that the higher speeds films have higher. And then I heard another, possibly was on a podcast probably, that the more you send it. So say I just sent it out back, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But if I was traveling amongst countries and I had it scanned like 30 times or seven times, I don't know. Although here's an interesting thing. So when I was in Egypt, I'm not really sure why, but every single place we went to, including coffee shops, had the little things, not just the metal detectors that you had to walk through, but the, and I don't know if they actually were doing anything or if it was just for show. So maybe I was just putting my bag on a conveyor belt that went in a hollow box and like nothing was actually happening to it. But assuming that it was actually like bombarding it with some kind of rays, this right. thing, like my my film, must have gone through like thirty times, you know, easily. Oh my gosh! In just the the you know ten days that I was there, and it all seemed okay. okay. So, yeah. But but again, like I, I don't know that that's just that's not maybe uh, a reason to be as reckless as I am, but <laughs> but uh, maybe it's a reason to like not not totally freak out if. Yeah. Stuff has no, to go I through think X-ray machine. I think that's a good that's a good piece of advice is stop freaking out, Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I get way too over concerned about this stuff. But thank well, you. Well, I'm like, oh, it'll be like film soup, only it's like dry film soup. There you go. You know? like, <laughs> film soup. I like it. See, that's actually a better way for me to look at it. It is like we that's one of the things we all love about film is that it's not super perfect. So something happens and something happens. Yeah. Um, so Denise, my comment was um, Murphy. Who's Murphy? <laughs> Murphy is a uh, topiary dog at the botanical garden here in Wichita. Oh my so god! So he's made of plant material on a okay. metal f- frame work. Okay. And I shot him on red scale, so that's why he looks yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> no, I love this picture. I thought it was a real dog. Oh. <laughs> and, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, best picture ever of an animal. Um, <laughs> but I still, I still love it. But that is so, that's cool. Yeah, they have another uh, topiary animal out there, a unicorn, and they have some bird statues on top of it. Oh. And it, the I unicorn like is made out of plant material too. So yeah, it's the Wichita Botanical Garden, it's a great place. <laughs> very cool, very cool. That was just it. I love that picture, so... <laughs> Oh, that's Murphy. That's Murphy. All right. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This was a treat. Absolutely. And Denise, thank you again for joining the second time. Thanks for having me back on. It was great to talk to everybody. Yeah. Now, before we go, I just want to make sure we get everybody's social media um accounts out there. So we'll start with um, you, Anne. Where can people find your work? I am on Instagram, and it is just my name, uh, which is A-N-N-E-H-O-L-L-O-N-D. Sounds great. And Denise, where can people find your work? You can find me on Instagram as well. I'm Denise G316. Nice. Suzanne, where can people find your work? Instagram is b.roll.backup, and I have other things linked on there, and I'm also on Greenery, and I used the same b-roll, b-roll backup, but I don't think there's any dots in it on Greenery. 
I hope they come out with an app for greenery because I really like that idea. Me too. I need to learn it, but I like it. <laughs> cool. Um, Julie, where can people find your work? Um, on Instagram, I'm JP Shoebox Walk. And on Flickr, my name, Julianne Piper. Sounds good. And I, you can find my work at inst, on Instagram at Mario Piper, all one word, or on Flickr at Mario Space Piper. So anyways, thank you all uh, for listening to this wonderful podcast, this Kansas Spectacular. And as always, keep those analog vibes alive. <laughs>